0: Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Kroc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. This podcast is brought to you in part by the estate of Bob Nelson. Bob was lover of all things San Diego and a longtime supporter of Voices of San Diego and its podcasts. We at Voices San Diego are honored to have his support during his lifetime and continued support through his estate planning.
1: Whatever. Oh, what's it called again? <laughs> She's never
0: going <laughs> to watch it.
2: The paper.
1: Oh, oh, that's what you just said. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> Unbelievable. (laughs) If it's not on my calendar, I won't do it.
2: (laughs) It's worth it just for Marissa Tomei. She's so good. Welcome to the Voice of San Diego podcast in partnership with News Radio 600 Kogo. I am Scott Lewis, the CEO and editor in chief at Voice of San Diego. And I'm joined as always for this the final Voice of San Diego podcast of 2023 by the managing editor, the managing editor, Andrea Lopez Villafana. What's up, Lopez Villafana?
1: Lewis, so happy to be here. I feel like people listening to the podcast, just the way you said that very slowly, like their hearts sank thinking this was like the final episode ever.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) But we
1: got more coming for you, don't worry.
2: No, uh, we are going to continue the enterprise indefinitely into perpetuity. Coming up on it, it's an update show. We have an update on the Nathan Fletcher MTS scandal. We have an update on the Sunbreak Ranch solution of all solutions for homelessness in San Diego. We've got updates on the city council and the race that could swing its balance. We'll talk about that and more. And we'll talk about the end of the year since it is approaching.
1: It feels like we're already there. Like people are kind of just hanging (laughs) these last couple of
2: weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Stay with us. Nate, got a lot of comments this week about the Happy Hour show. Our producer. Um, Nate is our producer. And there's one part of the show where I, I get a little emotional and he I don't know if you heard it he actually swooped in and dropped some emotional music behind <laughs> it no I still need it to felt, play if it, it was it was awesome it felt like a real show so good job for that but it also felt like a little manipulative <laughs> and,
1: wait he was manipulating you or the audiences are being manipulated
2: I, I don't know it's just it was when I heard it, I just bust out laughing. <laughs> but I did get a lot of comments that people found it moving. So I appreciate you, Nate. This is uh, our last show of the season. However, we've got a lot of work to do. We are in the giving season. You can cue the uh, emotional music. Voice of San Diego is a nonprofit news organization fueled by members and donors. And that means your cash keeps it going
1: that's the fuel
2: we're aiming to bring 100 new members that's that's people who donate who make it possible for us to do this work and if we do that we will unlock a nationwide match so give now and your donation will be matched up to $3,500 you can join the voice community and that means giving cash at VOSD.org slash community. Again, that's VOSD.org slash community. All right, there were a few who did give this week. going to give them a shout out. So David H. said, quote, local journalism matters, exclamation point. It does. It really does.
1: Jennifer R. said, without VOSD, who would step up to provide the local deets and to hold the movers and shakers of San Diego accountable?
2: Great question. I'm not sure. Kim L. says, quote, I'm a regular supporter, but I loved the happy hour pod episode. Hope you do more of those music to Nate's ear.
1: People really like those happy hours. Like they just want us to get drunk. Yeah,
2: maybe maybe we should have learned uh, that people like us just talking sometime.
1: <laughs> Drew Garrison said, great local news coverage, educational and entertaining podcast makes me a more informed citizen.
2: Perfect. And last but not least, Jay Cannon says, I miss investigative journalism in the main media. It's still there. There's some. We're just doing a lot, too. And uh, that I can be assured that VSD is a sanctuary from celebrity nitwittery. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say, a little bit of celebrity nitwittery might help Wittery. bring in some of the folks, some of the normals we talk about. But mm-hmm. I, I hear you, and I'm glad you get it. Thank you, Jay Cannon. Thank you to all, and you as well can give. Please, we've got a lot of work to do before the end of the season, and we need your support. Get your donation match at vusd.org/community. So, I, I'm a very privileged person to to have a to own a home in San Diego. Feel mm-hmm. very, I'm aware of that. But one of the hardest parts about Owning a home is is all the upkeep, upkeep, and in San Diego, I don't know if it's if it's just San Diego, if it's just an old home or whatever, but the sewer line has been a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you that's one of the things that oh, needs. We're we're,
1: we're starting <laughs> we're starting dirty. <laughs> okay. one,
2: one of the <laughs> most important functions of a house, probably mm-hmm. top two, yeah. is to is to get rid of that the stuff, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and it gets it gets backed up, and so we had a We've had a few problems. Few problems. We've had some people come out and do little things and they had to come out and do a what they call a, a jetting, right? Where they just What's- they just spray water really hard into it and like and like cut out the roots that have grown into it. Because roots are incredible. Like they'll find a tiny, tiny little hole in the sewer line and they'll get in there and they'll get some of the water. And then they'll just keep adding cells to those roots and it keeps opening up the hole. Next thing you know, those roots are in there getting all the water they want. Uh-huh. But uh, it starts to back up, right? So the, they, they jet that out of there. What happened is the guys showed me the, the video feed of the sewer line. Oh, my God. And it was amazing. What? I enjoyed every moment. If they did a TikTok account <laughs> that was just that.
1: <laughs> you should tell them. I would,
2: I, would, I, would just, I would watch that. However, there was one moment where they got and they saw this bundle of roots that had clearly just penetrated this big part of the the sewer line. Uh And it was the main problem. And they showed me. And they showed it closing out. And and I was like, well, where is that? And they pointed. And you know what they pointed at? (laughs) You do, don't you? Yeah, I do. The palm tree in the corner (laughs) of our property. I was like, that's it. The it's, final slowly,
1: it's slowly seeking its revenge from like all the comments you've made about palm trees. It's I was like slowly growing this seed.
2: I was like, so you're saying I should take that out and they're like, probably. I was like, oh, that's so good.
1: like you needed a reason.
2: No, I did because it's like it's gonna be hard yeah, and expensive, expensive. Yeah. and you know, my son really likes it. Oh. I tried to tell him that they're horrific flammable weeds that have no value, but now I can say it's causing poop to stay <laughs> near our house when the poop should go away. Gross. So I, uh, I've never been. I don't know that they're That I don't know that the palm trees could have done anything else to make me more anti-palm tree. Than and mom. there it was.
1: Yeah. Wow. Nothing gives me more anxiety than like sewer toilet issues. D-
2: you need it taken care of. They need to like you got it. It's one main function of but a house. But it's
1: like. The one main, like, anytime, like, if my toilet wasn't working and I, like, flushed and it wouldn't, like, flush. Yeah. I just, like, immediate anxiety calling my landlord, like, you need to get this fixed now. Like, yeah. It's just so, um, it's, it's scary. Yeah, it's the <laughs> worst.
2: So, anyway, that's my sewer line story.
1: Well, I like it.
2: Okay, I have a request out there for you all. So, I got a, um, as people of. Are where out mm-hmm. there. I'm a fan of mailers, of campaign yeah. mailers. Collector. I, I, yeah. I have, a, <laughs> I have a vast collection of campaign mailers. And I like what they say about campaigns. And we've talked about this a lot. Um, I got a submission yesterday that was really interesting. So one of you out there, our listeners, uh, sent me uh, Carcilla. I love the show. This was a really interesting mailer I got it was from Kevin Faulkner's uh supervisorial campaign he's running for county supervisor mm-hmm. and it was a it was a happy Hanukkah card the interesting thing that the guy says is like I'm not a part of any uh Jewish organization at all I'm not involved with a temple I happen to be Jewish you know by mm-hmm. heritage but I just found it a little bit odd that there was that that the campaign would have collected a list of people that it presumed to be of Jewish faith and mm-hmm. send them that mailer mm-hmm. and i I thought like that was I thought that's really interesting. what an interesting what a like little interesting risk to take, right? Yeah. as a campaign, but also might might verge on the creepy,
1: yeah. Where do you get this list? Where's
2: the list of of yeah. People who are Jewish.
1: Wait, so did they send a Christmas tree one?
2: I don't know. I don't. Or I don't,
1: like one of all faiths?
2: I don't know. Like that's a really we interesting. to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> really interesting step to take right now and all that. So, so I got a call out to you all. If you're in the district that goes from Point Loma, Coronado, up through the coast to uh, Encinitas, if you got one of these, I'd love to hear your own story. Send it to scott at VUSD.org. Scott at VUSD.org.
1: Or a different version.
2: Yeah. yeah, If there's another um, call out to religion in the mailers, I'd love to see it as well. Update time. So this week I obtained a agency claim form.
1: Oh, that sounds like super cool. (laughs)
2: Metropolitan (laughs) transit uh, system. So the uh, this is, you know, when you sue a, a government, you have to first let them know that you have a claim so that they can try to deal with it before you take them to court. So it's it's an actual requirement. And sometimes, I don't know exactly what the threshold is, but if you don't do that and you sue right away, it can hurt your lawsuit, right? Oh,
1: why is that there, though? Just to give them a chance?
2: Yeah, it gives them a chance to maybe clear it up or settle without going to court and costing a lot of money, other it's things. Public money. Right. Mm-hmm. So... This is for the Metropolitan Transit System, a the chief information officer, so the head of technology for the Metropolitan Transit System, has uh, or filed one of these forms with her attorney Dan Gillian last month at the end of November, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's got some spicy stuff in it. Now she and and her lawyer withdrew it. Uh, uh, I was the first one to post the claim, but uh, the UT reported today that. They're trying to resolve it now peacefully before it goes to court. Mm-hmm. And so they, they have withdrawn it. But the claim is fascinating. So basically this woman, Emily Outlaw, she's the chief information officer for this agency. Uh, she claims that after Grecia Figueroa filed her lawsuit and her complaints about MTS and about the alleged uh, assault and harassment that she endured, again, allegedly from its chairman Nathan Fletcher, the scandal that, of course ended his career both as chair of MTS but more importantly as county supervisor, that she says that a, they asked her to um, look into private communications that she shouldn't look into mm-hmm. as as uh, she called it hack but um, otherwise get into private communications with Grecia Figueroa's accounts that she shouldn't have, and B, that they asked her to prove that they didn't know about these claims, that MTS management didn't know about these claims until the lawsuit was filed, Mm -hmm. and that she was supposed to go look and and prove that that the mail, that the email that had been sent a claim saying that they were gonna you know uh, sue for all these things that grecia figueroa alleged that that had gone to a junk mail mm-hmm. and that hadn't been opened when in fact she says she she found that the guy who received that email not only saw it but opened it and forwarded it to their outside counsel mm-hmm. a couple weeks before they said they had all this detail now it's it's interesting because remember there's sort of Two main questions with this scandal: One, what happened to to Grecia Figueroa? Did was it some sort of consensual interactions, as the former supervisor Nathan Fletcher claims, or was it a, a violent and bullying, mm-hmm. sexual bullying situation? Right. Yeah. That's an, a very important question. The second question, though, is why was she fired? Right. right. And MTS sort of initially claimed that she was fired for performance reasons, mm-hmm. but the investigation into what happened has not been made public. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've made some progress since they did this. What six months ago? No, yeah. nine months ago.
1: One would hope <laughs> there would we'll see.
2: there would hope there would be some information, but we have not received it yet no. about what happened. And so, within that question is what did MTS know about what? was happening between Nathan Fletcher and Grecia Figueroa and when did they know it and what did they know about her allegations? You know, did they know about the thing when they fired her? Cause that would make things a lot different. Mm-hmm. Did they only know about it after they fired her, which would make things even different. Yeah. <laughs> and there would be a lot of questions about, you know, what did, what kind of decisions they made to handle these allegations yeah. after they came up? Because there seems to be an indication that they let Nathan Fletcher try to handle it himself after it became an issue at MTS mm-hmm. as opposed to like really running it up the flagpole and saying like, red alert, something big has been alleged. We need to, you know, lock down and figure out what we're going to do to either investigate or otherwise resolve these claims. Right? It's
1: sort of the way you would assume a government agency Would work.
2: Or any agency. Any organization. (laughs) If if something happened here, we wouldn't just say, like, hey, go take care of that so we don't have to worry about that. No, (laughs) it goes all the way. Yeah, Yeah. it goes all the way. So that was the key question. And that's why this is so interesting because it does say, like, there was this effort Mm -hmm. to get the chief information officer to, um, to, uh, either manipulate or otherwise cooperate with their efforts to to prove something in the public and that she refused to. And she says she's been retaliated against. And so now, again, this was withdrawn. And the uh, the attorney is, says that he's going to uh, either refile it or pursue something more directly with MTS. So uh, mm-hmm. fascinating development in that case. Again, part of my initial concern was like, why we need to figure out why she was fired yes. and make sure that nothing uh, untoward was behind that because that would indict the entire management of MTS. And so, so far we have let them be in charge now mm-hmm. for the last several months since this erupted. And this is the kind of stuff you don't want to happen in the meantime, whether this is true or not, that's the stuff you don't want to happen. And so that's the reason why I think we need to get some clarity now about why Gracia Figueroa was fired
1: yeah one thing I find interesting in this element where they are asking her department to prove that the email might have gone to some sort of spam folder like who who is sort of lying here that I never received that email and never saw it like why if if you know for a fact that someone did receive that email, open that email, and forwarded that email, why go out of your way to say, hey, check, like, prove that it went to a spam folder? Well,
2: unless they've been misled, right? Yeah. Maybe somebody said, like, no, I didn't see it, and Never they had it. saw it, yeah. and it's a, it's an actual, like, investigation. Yes. Um. You know, that's, I don't know. It's It's, it's
1: confusing. It's like, scary. if you know, you already know, then why would you have someone look into the thing you already know
2: Yeah, it's not true. Well, it's weird. We do know that the investigators that they hired to be independent and produce, you know, an investigation about what happened, that they've probably done a lot of work or hopefully have over the Mm -hmm. last several months. And it would be really nice to see what they have done, because we have an agency operating with hundreds of millions of dollars of public dollars in the public interest right now that has a lot of concerns about its performance, by Mm -hmm. the way. And. It needs to, I think, be clear and transparent about what it's dealing with. Now, again, obviously, they are trying to resolve this claim that could be pretty substantial or otherwise dismiss it or challenge it. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to be admitting anything in that process. Totally understand that. But you have an ongoing public service right now and a public responsibility, a fiduciary responsibility to the public and every month that goes by that you don't resolve this transparently is another month where, like, stuff can go wrong. And mm-hmm. if you have a management that isn't being held accountable correctly for what might have happened, it gets worse. So, gonna have to balance that at some point. Yeah. So, as we head toward the end of the year, one of the things we're going to do is mm-hmm. two sort of special segments for the uh, website, right? So Special the, weeks. So we've done this in the past. What we've learned this year, just kind of a, every reporter will take something that they learned and, and expand on it so that you can follow and catch up if you need. Uh, but then we've twisted the what to look for for the next year too. <laughs> it's going to blow. Yeah. So we'll see a, a series of stories about it. it's going to blow. And I would like to submit that this MTS thing's going to blow.
1: Yes, we'll see.
2: Yeah. So uh, you're going to be getting those ready. I'll be
1: getting those ready. They'll be in your morning reports. Um, Yeah, I think I love special weeks. I think we saw great success with Beef Week and special weeks provide this opportunity for readers to catch up on things they've missed.
2: All right. One thing that's going to blow this year, and I mean blow up.
1: (laughs) I know. It's such a weird framing with certain uh, things. You've got to be a little cautious.
2: (laughs) We understand there's a slang usage of blow, uh-huh. but that's not what we're referring to. No, 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 no. Uh, Well, there's a bunch of them actually. Yes, there's like three different blows. Yes, we're talking about like big deal yeah. coming. Yes, it's gonna blow. Uh, and the city council race for District Four is gonna blow. I think this year. And yeah. uh, let's let me uh, let me ask you. So you did mm-hmm. uh, a one-on-one interview for the end of the season here. Yes. With Monica Montgomery Stepp. Yes. And uh, how'd that go?
1: Supervisor now. Yeah. Um, we reflected on her time at the city council. Uh, of course, we talked about her last day, which, um, you know, was pretty spicy. And then, you know, talked about her what she's looking forward to, what she wants to work on. Uh, but one of the things she brought up towards the end of the interview, uh, she mentioned she's going to support her, her chief of staff, Henry Foster
2: the third, the third. Is how it goes by. Yeah. Um,
1: to replace her on the city council district four seat.
2: So that is going to be interesting. He did announce, we we had suspected that he would run for that seat. Yes. And it's, it's not atypical for the chief of staff of a city council member to elevate or try to elevate into that role. It's happened, especially in that district. Uh, Tony Young used to be the chief of staff of um, Charles Lewis way back when, when I first started reporting on this, there's a lot of... Um, continuity sometimes there, but also Henry Foster now will be running against uh, two, as we've so far seen, uh, major candidates. One is Chida Rebecca Warren Darby. So she's been in charge of boards and commissions for the mayor of San Diego, Mayor Todd Gloria. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Reverend Shane Harris, uh, civil rights activist, will be running as well. Now, people had been saying that Chida Rebecca Warren Darby and... Henry Foster III would be the main candidates and would mm-hmm. represent that sort of breakdown on the city council right now, where you have like four people who are more aligned with the mayor who expressed their vast <laughs> indignation with the leadership of Conflicts. council president, Sean Elo Rivera. And then there's the five that support him, or now four mm-hmm. that support him. And so whichever one of these wins or or Shane could make a big difference on, on the, the sort of future sort of framing of the city council. Mm-hmm.
1: I had asked her um, if this was a sort of race because one of the comments she made on her last day in city council really stood out to me and to us, our newsroom, um, when she said that there's some of us on this city council who are ready to take the authority as the legislative body and legislate. Um, and there are others who are not ready to take that authority and at times take direction from others not on the council. And so I asked her if this was a race of those who take authority and those who don't. What um, say? So no, nah, listen to that episode. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> It'll <Yeah>. be good.
2: <laughs> well, I think I think that's exactly it. Like you know, we all kind of knew what she was talking about. Like the the mayor being yeah. the other the person this or but other interests outside of the city mm-hmm. hall. Um. So we'll see what, what happens here. I do think Henry Foster's come out of the gate pretty strong mm-hmm. and he's uh, racking up some endorsements. So that'll be the sort of initial run is who gets all the endorsements. People say like, does it really matter if Bill Smith endorses this person? No, it's not going to like win over a bunch of votes that they see that person endorsing. Yeah. But it carries with it impacts that compound, right? If you get a key endorsement, that often gets leads to other endorsements, which might lead to a party fully endorsing or a yeah. union fully endorsing or a, another institution fully endorsing. And that might lead to money that's invested. And that leads to persuasive mailers and other things that actually win these races. So, yeah, one endorsement, not necessarily a big deal, but it leads to like a... You know, a union like the the one to watch might be the Municipal Employees Association that supported Monica Montgomery's step um, mm-hmm. and the largest union of city employees in the city of San Diego. Uh, be be really interesting to see where they go over the next couple of weeks.
1: And I think her, her endorsement, yeah, of course, carries a lot of weight. Yeah. with the community
2: exactly. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, again, how that plays out. I think it's going to be uh, maybe the second, maybe the big, biggest race of the year. Now the March will be the primary. Yes. They could. You can win outright in this race since it's a special election in March if you get more than 50% of the vote. If not, they'll have to do a runoff in June. They won't wait till November.
1: And my conversation with County Supervisor Monica Montgomery-Step will drop in your feed next Friday. Stay tuned for that.
2: We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us.
0: Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD.
2: So last week on the pod, I talked about the Sunbreak Ranch thing. You might remember that.
1: What? (laughs)
2: Yes. I ended up writing, I think, a more eloquent version or a more well-stated, organized, my thoughts a little bit better in the politics report.
1: I think the podcast something is like a space to brainstorm (laughs) your politics report.
2: (laughs) Sometimes when I don't know what I'm doing, for instance. (laughs) Uh, And so I wrote out a more uh, thoughtful take about the Sunbreak Ranch thing where – Basically, uh, there's, this is the idea. The Sunbreak Ranch idea, of course, is that there's such an emergency you need to, and uses the same language some of us have used and I have used about there's such an urgent need for um, humanitarian and sort of cleanup efforts in the mm-hmm. city of San Diego that you need to triage the situation and take and, and offer places for the homeless to go. Now, what they have said is that that place should be a camp Um, somewhere, Mm -hmm. and it should be a $275 million, 200 or 500 to 2,000 acres of land set aside for this just massive camp where they could get a bunch of services and and uh, campus-like services for for all kinds of their needs, but also just so they can clean up and get back on their feet, right? Mm -hmm. The part that bothers me is that I don't think anyone would want to go there Mm -hmm. and thus what it would take to get them to go there feels uh, scary and authoritarian, Mm -hmm. and if not, just actually inhumane. And I don't know what kind of pain or other persuasive tactics they could take on the street, that they could meet out on the street to make people go there, because I don't think they would want to go there. Yeah. And I don't think that's really that radical of a suggestion. They, it's far out. The reason they're in city centers is the reason we're all in city centers is because that's where community is. That's where services are. That's where jobs are. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the one issue. But the other issue that bothers me is that it's like this. It's like this make believe like mirage, literally a mirage in the desert. And because it exists as an alternative. It actually becomes a foil for every other idea out there to to help them now.
1: That's realistic, but you might not like because of where it is or what it's proposing. So So you can always, there'll always be a sunbreak ranch.
2: Right. So whether it's H Barracks near the airport or some other shelter somewhere else, you could always say like, no, don't do that. That's awful. Yeah. That'll bring homeless individuals to our area mm-hmm. as though they're not already everywhere. Lolz. But put them out in this ranch. Mm-hmm. Okay, update. Remember, one of the ideas, the place that they had settled on was for Miramar, the Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar. They're, they said it, they, they identified hundreds of acres there where they could have this
1: wonderful the- place with unexploded ordinances and bunnies. <laughs> And possibility for plane crashes and
2: live fire, live fire. But uh, aside from all that, it's mm-hmm. also still kind of far. Mm-hmm. Like you, you could walk to the freeway, but that's it. And uh, they they kind of dismissed this story we got that the Marine Corps Air Station, the commander there, said, "No, you can't do that because of all these reasons, and we're not going to allow it." Mm-hmm. You know, the Marine Corps gets its way on those sorts of things. they shot down an entire airport proposal for the area after millions of dollars were spent on it. They had no trouble shooting that down. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an update. So the other area that they've talked about has been Brownfield, the airport in Otai area in South, in South County.
1: Oh, gosh, that feels even more far away. It is
2: farther <laughs> away. It. But uh, it's still arguably close to the city, is I think what they say. Like they they got really mad at me for calling it remote, and I'm like, you can't get mad at me for talking about the location of it because you have no location yes. of it. It has to be remote to be viable. It's mm-hmm. that's I don't know what you're talking about. Well, they've they've brought up that now. I <laughs> I got a hold of a letter that the FAA has sent the city saying you will not do that. It's against the agreement we made about what that land would be used by. It's it's FAA land. It can't be done, and you will, you will put in jeopardy federal funding for all kinds of things that you have. So it's a really it's a pretty damning letter for that as well. Now I'm sure they'll hand wave that away
1: mm-hmm.
2: and say that's not a problem because
1: it's not site dependent. It's
2: not saying. site dependent, which again makes it more of a moron. The more you debunk Sunbreak Ranch, the more it lives. It's mm-hmm. like. The more you go after it, the more it's like, yes, I get more yeah, fire. It's like, yeah. the, it's like this monster that just gets stronger every time you talk about it and debunk it. So I got, a, I got a lot of really positive feedback. I really appreciate everybody who reached out and said like nice things, but I got a lot of angry responses. I just want to address a couple of them. Do you mind?
1: Yeah. Did you appreciate that too or no?
2: Yes, I did. <laughs> now, just,
1: did it fuel your fire?
2: There was one moment in my piece where I said like, if you're concerned about the homeless uh, situation and you're concerned that like H Barracks, this place next to the airport that they wanna set aside for up to 700 individuals, that they would spill into Point Loma and Ocean Beach and, and, and make things bad. I said like, I don't know why that's a concern. And I said, I see a lot of people who are unsheltered every day. Mm-hmm. And I live in Ocean Beach. Now they, they, they took that to say like, I, I don't know why that's a concern. I was saying, like, it's already happening.
1: Right. It's already there.
2: And if you want and support laws to push them out of their encampments in those areas, then they need a place to go. And this mirage in the desert is not a place to go. And even if it it is more realistic than I'm giving it credit for, that's still years and years away. Mm -hmm. So what are we talking about in the meantime? Mm Mm-hmm. So those are the things I want to do, and then there's a bunch of people just saying like I have literally enabled this homeless crisis that I'm the problem. So like am sorry I the drama?
1: <laughs> yeah, I am the drama. <laughs> you know, I did mention Sunbreak Ranch to her, Monica Montgomery Step. Oh, what'd she say? Um, she- I talked about so it was a discussion, We were having a discussion about SB 43, and um, that was the first vote she took part of as a county supervisor. And she She was okay delaying the implementation uh of
2: the thing that would sort of allow authorities to detain people with behavioral health issues.
1: Yes. She felt like, and I asked her, I was like, well, you know, there's people who say like, you guys need to do this now. You need to act with urgency. Like maybe you just need to start doing and figure out later. One of those people being uh, Mayor Todd Gloria. And, you know, I asked her how she felt about that. And she said like her kind of philosophy or thinking is that they need to have a plan, but they need to act with urgency. And um, she said that because you can't say that this is going to solve something or this is going to be an element, um, you know, of how we're addressing a crisis and then it be it like be unsuccessful and then you're losing trust um, from the public. And so I said, yeah, you know, I often go to community meetings and I talk to people Um, you know, about the homeless crisis. A lot of the meetings I go to are related to homelessness issues. And people just bring these things up like they're the solution. Like when they're going around the table, they're like, well, you know, care court's coming up and that's really going to help. And SB 43. And, you know, they're just like throwing these things and they're really thinking like this is going to solve homelessness. And I was like, and if these programs are launched and they're not successful and they keep seeing like the horrors that we see on the street, then you end up pushing people to these like sunbreak ranch ideas. And she was like, yeah, I totally agree with you.
2: I think that's a great point. And I think that's a really good observation of a lot of what we struggle with in mm-hmm. this community of, of public affairs, because so much of it is about managing expectations, right? Yeah. Like what is what is an honest goal? What is the transparent sort of struggles and vulnerabilities that you find along the way? Versus like saying you're going, we always talk about that. Never say you're going to do something yeah, or you're going to accomplish something before you have. Like you never say like we're going to meet you know, net zero carbon emissions by 2035. <laughs> and then you get the rush from doing that, but you don't, you don't actually do the hard things that it takes to get there. Yeah. I think the middle balance though is to say, is to be honest about how difficult it is how vulnerable like some of your struggles might make you or your promises. Mm-hmm. But just like say, but we have to do it. Yeah. We have to keep trying. We can't we don't need to overpromise and under deliver, but we also don't need to like Manage expectations so much that we never do it. Yeah, anything. like
1: you're paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, because
2: you can't have a perfect plan that you know is going to be successful. Yeah, if she operates in the county as though everything has to be perfectly laid out to be successful before you can do anything, it's just like we talked about last week. That means you're operating from fear and you're never going to do anything. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to proceed because you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to prove that it's going to be perfect.
1: Yeah. You need you- to have some idea of what you're going to do and maybe how you're going to do it. and. But, like, let's go.
2: And then be honest when it comes up short and what you're going to do to change it.
1: Yeah.
2: But that's cool. Okay, I'll look forward to that. Mm-hmm. You can see uh, my piece for yourself. The politics report has been open uh, in the last few weeks. You can see it at VOSD.org slash Scott. That's S-C-O-T-T. Thanks for listening to the Voice of San Diego podcast, the most popular public affairs podcast in San Diego that features great ideas for TikTok channels like the one that would show ongoing footage of clearing out of sewer lines. I would watch that. It's the greatest podcast on public affairs in San Diego that features such great ideas like that. If you're a plumber and you want some insight on how to pull that together, send me a note at scott at vosd.org. Join the Voice of San Diego community today at vosd.org slash community. That means donating money, but also... Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, any gift you make has a big impact on our organization and helps us continue to make this podcast, our newsletters, our investigations, our events, and all the local coverage you value have possible from Voice of San Diego. And that's VUSD.org slash community. You can donate at VUSD.org slash community. Please, by the end of the year, we need to get 100 new members. I'm Scott Lewis, CEO and Editor-in-Chief at Voice of San Diego. Andrea Lopez Villafaña is our managing editor. Nate Johns, our producer. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.